The Sauce Podcast. Empowering women everywhere. Hi, Lizzie. Mole, so good to see you. It's my uh, it's my Friday night. We've got a long weekend here in the UK for Easter. Oh, gosh. I love it. It's your Friday night when it's actually Wednesday. That's I know. a good long weekend. Thank you. I'm taking off a cheeky day tomorrow, and um, we're going to go on a little travel adventure. But uh, yeah, we get in the UK. We get Friday off for Good Friday and Monday off for Easter. But like my French counterparts don't get Good Friday off. So oh, it's funny. Like okay. we work together, but okay. they're working on Friday. But I, we don't. In the UK, we don't have another holiday. Like we don't have, you know, obviously MLK Day or present. We don't have another what we call bank holiday until Easter. So listen, it's been a hard slog for the past four months, and uh, yeah, it's like two days off. Yeah, you're you're getting it and taking full advantage. Well, I'm so I'm so glad that you are, um, Thanks, and man. that's so fun. We, yeah, we have Easter here this weekend too. It's also actually Passover right now. So, you know, I know I have a a lot of friends kind of recognizing both. I am personally so thrilled because I think I've told you all this winter has been a long one in Denver. Cold. Ty told me some stat, but it's basically the last January, February, and March were, it was the coldest stretch in Denver that we have had, the city has had since like the 1960s. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not making this up that it was a yeah. really, really, really cold winter. I mean, it, it's, it's backed in, you know, stats. Yeah, that there's stats. It was a long winter. I'm um, just like, my winter was long too long because it was just a little dark and kind of like, yeah. so, but we would talk and you, we sometimes record in the morning. You're like, we got a blizzard last night, oh, taking it easy blizzard. on the roads. Like that was like four times, Mole, five times I, when we were recording. I, I, mean, I you know, you, you could have, if you didn't know me better, think I was like starting to make excuses. I'm like, I, you, you know, I would never make an excuse to, to not get to see you, but I'm like, yeah. I'm not lying. There's another blizzard Dude. and there is another snow day. So I am just, the sun is shining here. The next few days oh. um, are just going to be beautiful. And I am ready for it. I'm ready for it. I love that. And Mal, you said that some friends are celebrating for Easter, <clears throat> yep, Passover. And, yep. And I'd also like to give a shout out to many people who are celebrating Ramadan. Um, oh, yeah. And they'll have the Eid at the end, but it's Ramadan right now. So we have many people um, out here that I work with that are fasting and celebrating. It reminds me of my dad. He used to, um, um, we yeah. used to fast with my dad. So happy Ramadan. Oh, I love that. I know. Yeah. It, I just feel like this is such a wonderful time of year. Obviously we've just had the, the turn of spring is officially here. And I think we've probably talked a little bit about just the impact of the longer days, the impact of the increased temperatures. I mean, I, I will say as I get older, I really do notice that it has a larger impact on me. Like the the physiological difference of more sun and a little warmer temp. Um, you know, I, I really do feel it. I have so many thoughts on this now because I, I did live I in California for 18 years and coming to London, I did Chicago for a year, but whatever, but coming to London, you, um, you really feel that winter and listen, that like, listen, the you Californians, the privilege you have of those, whether you're in Sor- <laughs> SoCal or NorCal, it's no joke. You get the no seasons year yeah. round. And while it's sometimes sad, no, it's, we had a sunny day here in London and like the whole office was like chipper. Everyone's like skipping in yes. the book. You know what I mean? So oh, it was been, it's been it. nice. 
Yeah, I totally believe it. Well, welcome to spring and welcome to April. And also welcome Welcome. to season three. We made it. I know. I know. Um, I actually love that we're kicking off season three in April because, you know, April is one of my very favorite months of the year. And I love that. We're we're kicking (laughs) it off. We, um, you know, I think for those of you that got to listen to our last episode, our season finale for season two, excuse me, we talked about how we're really trying to get more oriented and more crisp on what is our goal going into this new season and, and who, you know, is our, who are we speaking to? Of course, you know, you all the saucers, but as we try to grow the audience and and have more people come and, and listen along and join the conversation, you heard us say we're really focused on empowering women um, in all facets of life. Yes, kind of predominantly in business and in work, we're certainly going to touch on things outside of that or or maybe a little bit of the like the straddle of the two. How do you bring some of that home life into yeah. the work life and vice versa? Um, but we're going to continue to be our very real, very authentic selves. And we're going to try to orient on this theme of empowering, uh, our women in our lives. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm really excited about it. I think we've talked about this. We spent two years doing a podcast and we kind of aligned when we went to Denver on what area do we think that we want to and naturally focus on. Um, and like we talked about last episode, Molly and I found each other through work and yes, we're very good friends now, but how supportive we were to one another. And if you haven't found your Molly or Liz at work, we hope to build a community here that you can kind of find that here. So we talk about struggles. We talk about what worked for us. We talk about what hasn't. And also we are in the middle of our career. We are not in the C-suite. Um, we are still figuring things out, but we can also share what we've figured out or have worked through and are continuing to work through um, here. So that's what we're excited about. So I think today we're going to kick off. We're going to kick off this season with um, talking a little about leadership and um, the the humility and humbleness um, in leadership and how that can really empower leaders and empower their teams. Yeah. And how it, how it all kind of works. Well, and there's a few reasons why I think we picked this topic for our first episode of the season. You know, we talk about the word authentic a lot and um, it's it's a word that I love. It's just also something I, I really try to be every day and I, I kind of strive for. And when I think of authenticity, to me, it's almost interchangeable with humility or, or humbleness, right? Yeah. That like you really want to be um, just somebody who makes others never feel lesser about who they are or, you know, walk around believing you are better than the people you're in, in the company of. And I, I just see this in so many components of life, certainly as a mom and trying to raise children who have a great deal of humility, but also at work. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to be a leader who shows up every single day, authentically and very much, you know, with a, an open mind and an open heart to lead my teams humbly and and with a bunch of yeah. humility. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, and if you've been here for a minute, you know that we love to reference some of our favorite articles that we find or Liz and I are constantly sending each other, you know, posts on Insta or, yes. you know, tags on LinkedIn. But we, we came across an article that was about this very topic. How does 
how does being humble really work and show up in in leadership? And there's kind of these three core topics that we're going to orient the conversation around today. The the first one being if if you want to be a leader that is humble and that has empowered your team and you're building this kind of foundation of trust, then you ask how you can help your employees do their jobs better and you listen. So that's number one. The second thing you would do is you're creating low risk spaces for your employees to think of new ideas. Basically, you're cultivating a culture of brainstorming and idea sharing and making it very, very safe to do that in your presence. Um, And last but not least, not shocking, you actually are humble yourself. You are the way you are showing up and the way you are interacting with your team is from a place of humbleness and and with humility. So those are the three core themes that we are going to touch on. And as always, we'll give you our scoop. We'll give you some examples of maybe where we've seen this work or not work. um, And we are looking forward to the conversation on it. Yeah. So kicking off number one, Mal, that is around as a leader, bringing your own, I think it's it's vulnerability and authenticity to your team. It's number one, at least according to Harvard Business, is how to help asking your employees, what can you do to help them? And and HBR says, then you need to listen. I, I know you have a strong end on that though. Yeah. So I, exactly. So you need to listen and then you need to action, you know? So you're going to lose the trust of your team. If you're like, what do you need? And they tell you, and then you listen, but then there is no action. They're going to start to feel like, why are you, why am I even telling you? Cause you're not going to do anything with it. Okay. Yeah. So I yeah. feel kind of passionately about this because I feel like sometimes as a leader, you actually can't action it or potentially mm-hmm. some of the ideas aren't going to scale or aren't going to work for the global org, okay? But if you can't get through to getting that change or it's not scalable, you're going to get a no. You've got to go back and communicate why it's not going to happen. So you either action it or you communicate why, hey, thank you for the idea. I heard you, but I'm not able to do it because of this. Because I think you're going to lose the trust of your team or the energy of your team if you listen and and they give you ideas and then nothing comes from it time and time again. I think that can be very dangerous. It can be very dangerous. I think it can be, if you're doing that, if you're seeking perspective from your team members, if you're asking for what they need help with, and then you are not actually following through and providing any of that help. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really dangerous dynamic, right? They're going to lose trust in you. They're not going to want to continue to share. They may yeah. even start to go to people that are not you. They doubt um, you. Kind of, yeah. They, they're doubting you. They're doubting your ability to get, get the job done. So I totally, totally agree with this. Yes, the best leaders are kind of adopting this servant style leadership approach where, you know, they, they believe they exist to help their teams be successful or quote unquote, serve their teams. Um, I, I think I've said this quote here before, but there is this saying of like leaders eat last. So if you are responsible for a group of people, your people go before you, whether it is at mealtime, whether it is, um, you know, advocating for more money, whatever it is, your job as a leader is to let your people go first. 
So if you are operating from this place and you think, okay, I am putting my people before myself, I am making sure that they know, you know, I kind of exist to make them succeed, to propel them to success, fantastic. But that's only part of the way there. To Liz's point, you then really have to act on the feedback you are getting and what they are telling you is in their way. What is a current obstacle they cannot get over? What is something that is slowing them down? Not only do you listen, you then have to make a plan to action it. Exactly. All about that action, but that's a little bit of like probably the detriment of Liz Hajar. But I have two other thoughts on this. So two more thoughts on just like, how do you get that feedback? So if you're a first line leader, okay, or a second, a second, first line leader, you can go straight, you, you're managing these people directly, okay? So as in leadership, you might just go ask them for feedback and say, hey, I'll roll it up to my, to my leader. So that's great. But if you're a second or a third line, okay, so if you're the first line leader, you got to make sure you roll it up to your boss and your boss gives you feedback on what's going to happen, okay? And follow that communication train, make sure action's happening. But if you're a second or a third line leader, here's where I get guilty as a second line leader. I sometimes go to my first line leaders and go, hey, what are your reps saying? Or hey, what are your people saying? And then I go take it and go do something with it. I sometimes don't show up enough probably to the front line, to the front line. And so I think for anyone listening here, if you are first line, you need to make sure that you are taking the info, giving it to your boss, and then following up with your boss on it, okay? And making sure you're understanding where it's going, if that's how the chain of command works, for lack of a better word. If you are second or third line, some things that have happened in the past was we do things called rep council, um, where you have reps from different divisions that maybe you you lead and bring all of them together and you hear them. And maybe it's a monthly meeting that reps can give feedback there. So you truly hear it. And then you can report back the next month on what has been able to change, what hasn't, what you can do, what you can't. And I think that's really important. And again, I'm guilty of probably not going to the front line enough as a second line leader and leaning too much on my first line leaders. So that's just like a tip that I'm working on, but also want to call out to really bring that I'm listening. I think you need to go to the front line and listen. Yeah. I think another way to say that I I totally agree is if you're somebody who's responsible for a a large group of people with multiple teams and multiple layers and levels, you're ultimately the leader to all of them. And so, yes, your kind of number one priority are the people who consider you their boss and they directly report to you. But if the other people who work, you know, uh, maybe under those folks also see you as the leader, don't forget to show up, engage, give updates and, and let them know I'm listening and I I hear you, right? And I think yeah. the very best leaders do this naturally. They it's not because it's a box check, box check. It's yes. not because I have to spend more time with my frontline employees. It's they actually have the wisdom and the understanding that that's where I'm going to get the most raw, real intel and data about yeah. what problems I need to fix. Of course, you're not going to be able to go solve 100% of them. You're going to have to synthesize. You're going to have to prioritize. But if you are someone who has a lot of different levels of people working for you, remember, to all of them, you're their leader. So yeah. they're looking to you for the same get obstacles out of my way. Please get these things out of my way that are slowing me down. Please help me succeed. That's also on you. 
Yep. Like exactly. And I think the more that you can be present and see, and I think the new CEO of Starbucks I've seen, he has come in and he is going and working, I think at every store or a majority of stores to be on the front lines and getting that. So I think also one other tip that I will say is sometimes I have the best of intentions as a leader. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk to, to Molly's point, whoever's in my org, I need to chat with you. Yeah, we'll get some time. I never set up the time. So one other thing that I would say is I kind of try to look at my calendar annually, but at least quarterly, I sit and do like a breakdown of my calendar and rebuild. And I actually put those one-on-ones or that rep council on there in the busy, busy day-to-day. If I don't put that on there personally, I kind of more like, yeah, one day mall. Yeah, for sure. I never do it because I get too busy. So I also think there is a piece. One little tip I would say is get it on your calendar. I try not to move those as much as I can, but listen, if they have to shift fine, but get them on there. And I think that that has helped a lot me stay true to my word of showing up and hearing feedback and then being able to action it too. I saw that with the CEO of Starbucks and I absolutely love that. And it actually reminded me of that show Undercover Boss, where it was, it was a bit of this concept, right? The CEO or the founder of a business goes undercover and shows up doing the day-to-day job with the the people who do it. And, you know, it's this moment to, to really see and learn firsthand of like, sometimes how challenging the work we ask of our people, like how challenging that really is. Yeah. Um, Let's go to the next one with just one final thought closing here. If you cannot action the feedback that people have given to you or the help that they have requested, it is still your job to tell them that you cannot and the context as to why. So that's, I think, another just, again, talking about trust creation, talking about your people knowing you have their back and you you really are there to make sure they're successful. If they give you feedback and they're asking for things you know are not possible, near-term, long-term, whatever it may be, it is your obligation to go back and tell them that as the outcome and make sure they understand why. And then you can go to, now that we have this information, now that we know that's not possible, what can we do to make this situation better, right? You you can go from there. But um, I, I think that's also just a really important final point. Yep. We can't solve Let's it all, go. but we can get yeah. it, it, it all. So yes, Molly, yeah. agree. Let's go to recommendation number two. So this says, in order to truly be a humble leader and to take pride in that, you are creating space for your employees where it is very, very safe to raise ideas, to talk about innovation, to talk about doing things differently. And you the, the purpose of the session is really to kind of pull everybody out and hear from the group. You know, this may feel like it's actually not that guaranteed if you know, maybe not everybody has been in this environment where, oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting access to these types of conversations or these types of sessions. I do think the reason that they are so important is again, it goes back to that trust building and it goes back to that kind of safety space of as the leader, you may not have 100% of the answers. Actually, I can promise you, you don't, yeah. right? So you need to rely on your team and the people around you to help raise new ideas, bring new brainstorming you know, concepts, things that we want to try that we've never done before. But you've got to create the space to do it. And they have to know that, that any idea is, is one worth hearing and discussing. You, you have to create that safe environment. 
I was going to say exactly that. It's that creating that safe environment. And I think you do that by setting the expectation, number one. And number two, you have to bring your vulnerable self as well. You need to bring in your own authentic vulnerability into this. Um, And I think actually a great example of this is recently, I've talked about my team. We do something called deal reviews. And I said, guys, I don't team. I do not want you suited up. I don't want you showing up in suits with a, you know, a 20 slide PowerPoint. And that when leadership walks in the room, the air is sucked out of the room and it's like, get your stuff together. And you can almost feel people aren't being vulnerable and real about like what could be going wrong in their deal process. And so I recently set something up where I said, guys, I want you to come in. I don't want to see a suit. I don't want to see a PowerPoint. I, you know, we'll get a way to get information, but I want to have a real open conversation where we can say, what blind spots are we having? What could be going wrong? What are we doing? You know, what, what helped me think, bring in some other perspectives to make sure I'm not missing something on this, you know, this really important deal to me and to the business. And, you know, Mm. I was really interesting timing because I was listening to a podcast, um, VC 20, a friend recommended to me, and it's been a great podcast. And the CRO of Australia for Salesforce was on it. And he talked about exactly that. He's like, I will come in and do, you know, certain reviews and in sales, it's deal reviews. And he talks about how he'll come in and he's like, I don't want anybody coming in. I want no egos in the room. I want us to be very, very open and really helping more heads solve how we can, you know, service this client and win this deal. And I think that you set that expectation. And as a leader, you show up vulnerable too. That's what Mm -hmm. you have to do. And so I think there's, I can keep going here, but there's two types of meetings. There are times you set the expectation that this is a suit. This is a PowerPoint, but you have to set that expectation and the way you show up in each scenario as a leader is different. Yep. I love that. And I think it's very true. And I think it also goes back to just the expectation management, right? That, and it sounds like Liz, in the scenario you referenced, you did that really well. You know, you, you basically said, this is the expectation. I want us to actually talk through the risks. I want us to raise why are we not possibly set up for success in in this specific scenario? You know, you're talking about closing a deal for sales, but there's so many applications of this. And if you create this environment with your team, one, I think it does show humility as a leader because you are willing to take perspective and feedback from those who work for you. But two, I think another benefit you're going to get is uh, a collaboration and kind of trust that begins to form with the people in that session, whether they're all your employees or whomever it may be, because now we get to hear, oh, wow, I didn't know Liz had ideas like that, or I didn't know Molly thought about that situation that way. I want to, you know, explore this more and get to know, get to know that better. So I think you are not only going to get the benefit of showing, you know, hey, nobody has all the answers, not even me. Let's talk through it together. You're also going to gain the experience of a team that feels closer and that you're problem solving as a group to help yes. towards a solution, And which I is, think, is really powerful. Yep. And I think there's times where you, you know, again, you show up and you say, we are souped up, you know, for lack of a better word. And like, we are having an intense presentation, but I think I think there's times for that. But when you want to bring the brainstorming, we're all learning yeah. from each other. We're all trying to figure out how to solve this pretty big problem in front of us. You have got to show up authentic too as a leader and vulnerable. Yeah. And, yeah. and you've got to, otherwise your your team is not going to feel comfortable being open and real in that, in that environment. 
Yeah. And that's the perfect segue to the final piece of this, which does seem a, a, a little bit like, um, uh, duh, but yeah, it yeah. is in order to be a leader that is viewed as humble and authentic and trusted, you yourself need to be, you need to carry yourself that way. You need to be somebody who owns your mistakes. You need to be somebody who admits when you're wrong. You need to be somebody who can acknowledge you have gaps and that you show to the team you're comfortable acknowledging that and you need their help and support to, again, work towards a solution or bring us forward. Yeah. So I think, Molly, you and I talk about being authentic and I and I think we we, we try, I, it's almost hard for me to lie. So like we are pretty authentic on how we show up. And I'd like to say we had an old boss that I think we both looked up to yeah. very, very heavily yes. who recently reached out to us um, on LinkedIn and said, I love listening to the sauce. You are so authentic. So to toot our own, our own horn here. But I think that I think that the authenticity is just such an important thing. And you have to, there's been times in my career, as authentic as I really try to be and just like kind of am show up as who I am. There's been times I haven't felt comfortable being authentic and it's from the people around, you know, it's, it's the people around me have made me feel like, Oh, this is an environment where we, we kind of fake, we kind of fake it till you make it and you act like, you know, everything. Wow. And it's been, it was really hard for me. Cause I'm usually used to, you know, there's a piece of me that has some of that in there. Sure. But I'm used to showing up and kind of being like, well, tell me a little bit more about that. And what's that? But I, and, and I shouldn't blame it on the people around me. It's more like I show up and don't feel comfortable in that environment. And I felt yeah, what that's like. Yeah. And I felt myself as a leader, not being authentic and kind of showing up and, and, and feeling like I had to kind of pretend like I knew things and that's not yeah. fun. And I think as the leader, you set that tone and you set that tone to bring vulnerability. And if you are vulnerable, Hey, help me with this, help me with that. I, you know, in recently I sold, you know, I've learned a lot coming to a new company and coming to a new company, I've learned a ton and I've had to be very vulnerable of like what we always say, be a learn it all, not a know it all, ask questions, yeah. get curious and have my reps help me with a lot of stuff. And I think that that is okay. It can be hard as a leader, but it is okay. And just remember to, to bring that if you want to bring that safety environment for your team. Yeah, it's so true. And it, I don't think what you said at all, Liz, was blaming others. I think what you're acknowledging is not every environment is going to reward authenticity equally. And so yeah. if you are someone who is so naturally authentic and so yourself, you are going to find that not every space you go to celebrates that the same way, right? But as a leader, if you are trying to build a team that is, again, fostered in trust, fostered in collaboration, you know, committed to kind of all coming together and working towards a successful outcome, you have to go first to show that it is okay to not be perfect. It is okay to have things we are working on. It is okay that we are going to make mistakes and if you create the environment, then everybody else around you is going to do the same, right? Yeah. Um, it's just you, you, we, we talk about, right? The mantle of leadership or, or what, you know, really is expected for you as the quote unquote person in charge. But I really would encourage everybody, whether you're thinking about your boss or whether you're thinking about this application yourself. We are all human beings. We are all imperfect. Yes. We have all got things to work on and improve. So to be the very best leader you can be, 
I think you acknowledge that and you you wear that openly and you show commitment to growth and getting better. And then you hold the people around you accountable to do the same. Yep. And exactly. And I think a couple things that I think about how you can show up vulnerable as a leader, ask questions, get curious, admit when something is new for you, you know, and it's almost like you can be uncomfortable as a leader that, you know, you feel like, especially first time in leadership, you feel like you're supposed to know everything. So you feel like you have to do it all. But if you're listening and you're either in leadership and you're trying to figure out it's uncomfortable to show my vulnerability or any of that, ask questions and get curious and genuinely get curious. That could be a starting point to show a little bit of vulnerability versus feeling like you can't ask questions or or you have to answer every question. No. I think the way that you can start is just get a little curious and be a learn-it-all, not a know-it-all. And that's a, a way to start to show that vulnerability to your team. Yeah. And thank you for giving that very specific piece of advice, Liz, because you're exactly right. People may be listening and saying, okay, how do I show up humbly? Like, what what does that look like? Um, And that's such a good example. Be curious, ask questions, acknowledge things that you may not understand and that you're working towards, you know, increasing your knowledge of. Cool. People are going to be okay with that. Call it out. And guess what? They're going to then feel safe to do the same. Exactly. uh, Yeah. That's, that, that's a, that's a recap of how to be a humble leader. I don't know. Yeah, we and, we're, and I won't be very clear what uh, Maul and I, or at least <laughs> I'm saying, is like be humble, but you can be action oriented, peeps. Okay, so you know, oh, and yeah. that's where we kind of yeah. yep. We talked about you can be humble, be curious, and once you figure out what you need to do to take action, take that action and communicate that action. So, um, as as gals who love action, we're here for it. But how we yeah. help support our team and learn from our team and 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 clear barricades out of the way for our team. Um, you got to be action oriented at the end. So, um, that's what I'm saying to, to kind of end it there. Yeah. I, I do not, I do not think we should mistake humility for weakness, right. Or humility yes. for an inability to act. No, no. We are yes. just saying, you know, yeah, that, I, that's not what we're saying. Right. And I think sometimes in leadership, you can feel like if I show too much vulnerability or I show too much humility, are people not going to believe in me being able to be action oriented or the imposter syndrome starts to set in and I've, I've, I've had that and that's very real. And so I think, um, yeah, but I think if you can lead with helping your team feel comfort and being real and being vulnerable, I think, um, that's huge and you can then action it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that. Going into season three here, and we spoke a lot about leadership here, but I think just remember that be bold and being bold might be being vulnerable and being having some humility. And I think that's so important. So for saucers, just remember that. Yes, be bold. Always eat dessert. There is always room and time for dessert, even, you know, no, no matter what. Welcome to season three. We are so thrilled to be with you. We are so excited for all the content to share and the conversations to be had. And we'll see you soon. Lizzie, so good to see you. So good, Maul. 